Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Media Podcast Network. Hi, everybody. It is Thursday, June sixteenth, twenty twenty two. And it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces and soon to be on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a wonderful Thursday morning. We are at a new start time. I think this is the middle of the second week we've been doing this and a lot of you like it. Some people are are still kind of mad at me that we moved it from the 8 a.m. Eastern start time. People are claiming that I'm just sleeping in, which is just not true. I know they're joking around, but this is what we got to do, people. We got to give the people what they want. We can't please absolutely everybody. If I could, I would. It's just not possible. But thank you for joining us. We are coming off just a crazy episode this past Tuesday. I was actually, I can handle a lot. I don't get overwhelmed easy. I was a little bit overwhelmed on Tuesday. We had the most amount of callers that we've ever had on the show. It was just nonstop. It was a little crazy because you have to find the fine line of not getting yelled at for going too long and making sure everybody gets a chance to speak. It's a little daunting at times. But I think, I think the show after we added the Adrian Yanez interview to the podcast was over two hours. So you guys are absolute maniacs, and we appreciate that very much. Of course, another very busy week. We were on a very busy stretch in the world of mixed martial arts with the event on Saturday, PFL's back, Bellator's got a card next week, UFC's got a card next week, and then off to Vegas for International Fight Week. That should be just a a crazy fight week in itself. So we have a lot to look forward to right now. And I have a lot to look forward to with all of you because I'm ready to take your calls. I'm ready to get into this thing. I'm fired up. I exercised. I just absolutely hammering a giant black iced coffee from Dunkin' Donuts, and I am ready to go. We got softball playoffs. We got BTL today. I mean, good Lord, it's going to be a day in the first band to kick things off live from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I just want to say this name, so he's definitely going first. Let us say hello to Mayonnaise Face McFlanagan. Excellent name. How what up, Mike? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Good deal. I'm I'm not mad at you, but your 9 a.m. start time is a 9 a.m. kickoff work meeting, so I haven't been able to join, but I'm skipping it today, so I, ha- I had to do it. My man. Well, My man. <laughs> I'll keep it quick. I have a weird question. Um, 
for Adesanya to have his double champ status, can you rank his chances against Yuri, Glover, Anthony Smith, and Ankalaev? That's my question. Thank you. Ooh. Thank you. Let's see. So I was saying, I don't know if I said it Tuesday or I said it on the post-fight show or I said it on to the next one. I feel like the UFC is already looking ahead with this Yuri situation because at some point, if the UFC can get this done, if Yuri and Adesanya can just run off a few title defenses, it would not stun me at all to think that the UFC is already planting little seeds to do a fight between Brahashka and Adesanya, because that would just be insane. The stand-up chess matchery of it all and just the chaos that Yuri produces with the technical prowess of an Israel Adesanya, that'd just be a crazy fight. That'd probably be... I think all those matches, matchups in a lot of ways are pretty tough stylistically for Adesanya. Anthony Smith, I think he would do okay against... I would probably favor him in that fight. Ankle life, I probably would not. But maybe not. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. But that just seems like a fight that wouldn't be all that exciting anyways. Yuri, I'd favor Yuri, but it'd be a crazy fight. Glover, I'd probably favor Adesanya to win that fight. I'm very high on Glover. Of course, someone trying to call me in the middle of this thing. Don't you know it's past 10 a.m.? God. Stop trying to call me. I don't want what you're selling, bro. But anyways, yeah. I think he'd be favored against Anthony Smith. Glover, I think it'd be close. Yuri, he'd be the dog. Ankle life, he'd be a bigger dog. So I don't know. But I think Adesanya Yuri would be a really interesting fight. I think it would be a box office fight, if we're being honest, for the UFC. And if the UFC is going to entertain that idea of giving Izzy another shot at the light heavyweight title. You'd have to imagine that Yuri would be the front runner to, you know, match him up with if they can do it. But listen, Adesanya has got stuff to do at 185. He's got to fight Jared Cannon the air. That is a tough fight. I know a lot of people are, that I've seen on Twitter are just like Adesanya is going to run him over. I think it's a tough matchup. This might be one of the tougher title defenses he's had. Jared's look real good, and Jared gets better as the fight goes. So that's a really interesting matchup. And then he's got the winner of Sean Strickland versus Alex Pajeda. I have a feeling that even if Pajeda loses to Strickland but then wins his next fight against somebody in the top 10, Pajeda would still get the title shot anyway. So he's got those two guys, some others as well. You got the Andre Muniz's of the world on the way up. So I think he's got some work to do at 185, but... If the UFC were hoping for the right fight to do a 205 for Israel, if they're going to try to get him that second title or at least give him the opportunity to do so, I would have to think Gary's the, the guy they would go with first. But we'll see. James Foster. What's up, buddy? Good morning, Mike. How are you? Good. I uh, saw some fight news yesterday. I, I Maybe you guys reported on it. I just missed it. But I saw that Aldo and Marab were confirmed for the pay-per-view with um, Usman and uh, Edwards. I mean, if that is true, I mean, that is a banger of a fight. I literally saw that yesterday and just held my hands up like someone just got knocked out. I would love to see that. 
And uh, also, um, I had a question about one of my favorite fighters, uh, Corey, Corey Sanhagen. I don't know if you have any news that UFC is trying to book him with somebody. I, I was kind of looking at the rankings yesterday, the only rankings that matter, MMAfighting.com, yeah. the best website in the world. And I think uh, Sanhagen and um, uh, Song Yudong would make a lot of sense. and It would just be a fun, fun fight. And um, I just want to thank you, Mike, for what you do here, for giving all of us crazy MMA fans a platform to come on here and just have a great conversations with you. So thank you all that you do and go Celtics and have a heck of a morning. Wow. That might be, that might be my favorite call of all time. I mean, just how nice is that? Amazing stuff. Um, yeah. So for, from what I understand on the Aldo Marab situation, the fight is being discussed. And as Ariel reported, it's not a done deal. It's the direction everybody seems to want to go. But to say that the fight is done and that it's definitely happening on August 20th would be very premature, as the initial report stated. It is being discussed. It is not done. I don't know. Like, obviously, Marab is going to be all over this. But for Aldo, like, it's a cool fight. Like, from a stylistic perspective, it's really interesting. And it's a fight that Marab absolutely deserves. But for Jose Aldo, man, you drew the short straw, man. You could have fought Cruz. You could have fought other guys like that. But then you get drawn Marab, potentially. Boy, that's tough. He could have been fighting for the title. He could have been fighting for the title. He had a stellar argument to just fight for the belt. Or just fight TJ for a straight-up number one contender fight. Maybe he fights Cejudo. I mean, there's all these other interesting options here for Aldo. But I give Aldo credit. If he takes this fight and the pen goes to paper and this is the one they put together, Marab deserves it. Good on him. And Aldo is a damn G for taking that fight when he's a win away from fighting for the title. He could fight for it right now. Wild. Wild. And as far as Corey Sandhagen goes, haven't heard much. I know there were some reports that came out that, that weren't actually accurate, but I think I actually think Rob Font makes perfect sense. I don't know how long Font's going to be out for. I'm, I'll probably see him in a couple weeks in Las Vegas, so maybe we'll get an update on where he's at. He took a beating in that Marlon Vera fight, but I feel like that's, that's a good fight right there. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Maybe they do Sanhagen Cruz. Maybe they do Sanhagen Cruz. That's a fun fight. It's like Cruz, and then everyone so, sort of believes that Sanhagen has a very similar style. And, you know, Sanhagen's talked about learning a lot about footwork and movement from Dominic Cruz. So that'd be a great fight. So, yeah. I mean, 135 is fun. They did Song Yu Hell yeah. Let's go. That's a fun fight. You can't really go wrong at 135, but man, if they do Marab versus Aldo, that's. That's freaking crazy. Let's get Terrence in here. Then, Gary, you're on deck. Terrence, what's up, buddy? Hey, Mike. How are you doing this morning? Good. I'm how are you? Thanks. So <clears throat> I just wanted to talk about, like, the fact that Ronda Rousey is calling out Gina, which that's always been, like, one of the fights to make. Of course, Cyborg would want that fight as well. Um, but one, how you think that will go, and then as well um, – I'm thinking 
like if they did make that fight, that'd be the perfect opportunity to have like a all women's card and do it like in March, which is International Women's Month. Um, another thing that I want to ask you, Ronda doesn't get the respect because of the way she like left the sport and whatever and her attitude or what have you. But she, in my opinion, was one of the most dominant, if not the most dominant woman. If you like put all her fights in there, I know people are like, oh, level of competition, this and that, but uh, the people who they consider, let's say, for example, <clears throat> Amanda as the GOAT, they fought a lot of the same people. And as far as, like, dominant, a lot of people that beat Amanda back in her early days, Ronda, like, destroyed. So uh, I want to ask you, who do you think was more dominant um, as far as, like, their career? Not necessarily wins and losses, but, like, in their wins, who was the most dominant of all of them, like, for example, Shevchenko, <clears throat> Amanda, and as well as Rhonda. Thank you very much, Mike. That's all I got for you. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Um, Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know if Rhonda necessarily called out Gina. She basically was asked, what would it take for you to come back to MMA? And she said very respectfully that it would be for Gina. She would fight Gina. That's the one fight she would come back and do, and that'd be a pretty big deal. The UFC could somehow just get that fight together, that'd be massive. And we know the WWE, who uh, might be in a little bit of trouble right now, Vince McMahon, I'm sure you've seen the Wall Street Journal article. I'm sure WWE would would, be, would allow that to happen, and that'd be, that'd be a very big deal. How that fight would go, I, I mean, literally, I have no idea. I mean, who knows? Ronda hasn't fought since the Nunez fight. She's gone into the wonderful world of pro wrestling. Gina hasn't fought in a long time. I mean, who knows? It would just be anybody's guess at this point. As far as dominant women champions go, I mean, Ronda was definitely more dominant than Amanda Nunes, in my opinion. I mean, Ronda was just straight up running through women. It just wasn't even close. Like, we just, we, it got to the point where it's like watching a Mike Tyson fight back in like the, the pre Buster Douglas and even, you know, post prison Peter McNeely and stuff. You knew when you were getting a Mike Tyson pay per view, he was the main event. Fight was probably going to end in the first or second round, and we were there for it. And that's kind of how Ronda was. She wasn't winning decisions. She was just finishing everybody. And then she ran into Holly Holm. Maybe she was a little too in love with her boxing, a little too overconfident. Nudez fight, not a great game plan. And I know people are pretty sour on Ronda because, like Taryn said, she left the sport with kind of a sour puss, if you will, and just a pure neglect and almost hatred for MMA and the fans and the media and all that. And I don't know. I don't know. Dominant champions. It's gotta be Ronda at this point. And Valentina is knocking on the door of just becoming the greatest women's fighter of all time. It's, it's there. There's arguments to be made between all three of those ladies. If you really want to go that route, I have to go with Amanda at this point, but Valentina is very, very close. Very, very, very close. Valentina is the best woman fighter on the planet right now. I know a lot of people were soured a little bit on the performance this past Saturday, but again, go back and watch it. If you haven't watched it the second time, and Valentina was clearly off. She talked about the injury. I believe her. I don't think this is an excuse. I don't think it's anything like that. She was able to weather an early storm. I thought she won the second round clearly. She lost the third. One was a toss-up. She clearly won four and five. So it's, in my eyes, after, and I've watched it three times. 
I've watched, I put myself through it three times. Scored at 48-47 on Saturday. Still scored at 48-47 Sunday morning. And I understood why some people would score at 49-46 on that second watch. Third watch, I feel exactly the same. So that's what you kind of want to see from your champions these days. How can they do when it ain't going perfect? Because Valentina's had some dominant wins that were not that fun to watch, and she's had some incredible wins that were really fun to watch that she just ran over great competition. Gold, the Jesse Andrade title defense is just – it's one of the all-time greats, in my opinion. Top five, top ten title defenses of all time. She went out there and just ran over Jessica Andrade, and no one can say that. Joanna Beater styled on her a little bit, but she didn't run Jessica over. Valentina ran her over and was flawless. One of the all-time great title defenses. Nobody does that to Jessica Andrade. And if you missed it yesterday, Jessica Andrade, another big opportunity. I feel like she's the best strawweight in the world right now, or at least very close to it. Her and Zhang Weili, Maybe Weili kind of took over with the Ioana win, but they're right. They're maybe 1A, 1B, 1 and 2. And Andrade is like, I'll go back up to 25. I'll go fight Man and Fioro. I'm going to try to thwart this run she's on, make sure she doesn't get to that title fight. Jessica's just such a G. She'll fight anybody. It's crazy. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Gary Cooper cards. I assume, yeah, I know what it is. Gary, what's up, buddy? Let's see if we can get him in here. The wheel is spinning. Oh, unmuting. I think we got you. Mike? Gary, what's up? Heck of a morning. Indeed. So I just had a quick question. Um, I saw that Dillashaw and Sterling is now being targeted 
for a later pay-per-view. Um, I guess with that happening and with Ortega versus Yair and Emmett versus Cater, does shit out of luck Cejudo have anywhere to go? It's a great question. That's a great question. So, yeah, I mean, something tells me, and I, I, I have no insight to this whatsoever, but even Sterling was saying on Twitter that the reports were, I mean, listen, we, we confirmed it, and if we confirm it, if it's on our website, that means we talked to multiple people and they said this is the plan. It's been agreed, at least to that point, if we're going to put it out there for the world to see. We're not going to print anything that we're not sure about. We're not going to go on Twitter and say anything we're not sure about. We're going to go and word things correctly. In the works, targeted, that's the right answer. But even Aljo was like, we'll see what happens. I'm going to break this down on my podcast. We'll see what Henry Cejudo is doing. Now, at this point, Henry is in the USADA pool, and you have to be in there for a certain number of time. I believe it's six months. You have to be in the pool, pass all the tests, and then you are cleared to compete after you've retired from the sport and Henry retired from the sport back in the pool. It's not like the UFC can give exemptions, but I think at this point the UFC is done with those because every time they give an exemption to somebody, it bites them on the ass Brock Lesnar, but maybe they just go do Cejudo Cruz too. Maybe they just go that route because you remember there was talk. I mean, Cruz, they're talking about Cruz Vera. So that's there too. But I mean, that fight from, from, what I understood, at least as of the other day, was not done on the cruise side. Targeted, it's what the UFC wants. So now we have Cejudo in, in, a, in a very strange place. But so this is what I've been saying the entire time. Until Cejudo actually gets in the octagon and fights somebody, I don't believe he's coming back. I don't believe it. And I also believe that he shouldn't be put right into a title fight. People, like For some reason, he and so many other people feel like he is the Conor McGregor of the flyweight and bantamweight divisions. Like Every time Henry fights, it's a million pay-per-views. It's just not true. It's just not true. And I feel like more people feel like I feel than the other way around. And again, let me just say this. I respect everything this man has done. Guy is a great fighter. What a pedigree. What a resume in the combat sports world. Incredible. Incredible. But you left the company high and dry. And the company moved on seconds later. They were over it. He retired. The UFC didn't wait a day before already having a plan. Jan's, okay, he's gone. Jan's going to fight for the belt next. We'll figure out who he's going to fight. So... We'll see what happens. But that tells me he's going he's gonna to fight somebody. And he should fight anybody in the top 10. Do Cejudo Sanhagen. I'm fine with that. Do Font, uh, Font Cejudo. Do anybody in the top 10 against Henry Cejudo. Anybody. Someone coming off a win. Someone coming off a loss. I don't care. Do Jan Cejudo. How about that? How about Cejudo versus Jan? Do that. There you go. I figured it out. I had to go... In a circle, round and round we go. But that's what I'm landing on. And I will have a lot of respect for him if he takes that fight. Gary, do you have one more thing? Uh, all right, we'll try to get you on the other end. How about the, the Energize show? 
Good show, by the way. Let's see if we can get Energize Show in here. Energize Show, are you there? Mike, what the heck is going on, Junior? What's up, man? How are you doing, bud? I'm doing good, you? <laughs> not bad, not bad. I'm calling you off the coast of Africa, but I hail from Dublin, Ireland. Excellent. What's going on? Mike, I, I was a bit disappointed to see that uh, TJ Dillashaw was getting the next title shot over Jose Aldo. I already thought Jose had turned his career around at Bantamweight, and he deserved that next shot. I wasn't as mad on TJ winning that off, that controversial decision over Corey Sandhagen. It wasn't for me. What are, what, are your, uh, what are your thoughts on it? Would you have rather seen Aldo, or are you happy to see TJ in there? Thank you, Energized Show. By the way, check those guys out. Um, Aldo was the guy. I always thought Aldo was the guy. I figured if you were going to pull the trigger, you had to do it now. Like, let's just, what else does this guy have to do? I know he fought for the belt a couple of years ago, but I mean, come on. This guy bounced. And, and by the way, go back and watch that Piotr Jan fight because there's, for some reason in, his, in history, and I've seen this a lot, people saying that Jan just ran over Aldo. That is not true. Now, down the stretch, did the tides turn as they typically do in a Piotr Jan fight? Sure, they did. Did it end in brutal fashion in the fifth round? Sure it did. But the first 15 minutes of that fight was super fun. Really fun. That fight and Volkanovski Holloway 2 are two underappreciated fights. Yes, Aldo lost. He got finished. A lot of people were not happy. He got this t- that title shot coming off the, the loss to Marl Marais. And listen... It is what it is. But all, what Aldo has done since then, he has looked fantastic. He has earned every right to fight for that title. And in my eyes, you should have just done Aldo Dillashaw. That was the fight, in my eyes. And then the winner gets Sterling. And there's no debate, no discussion. And now maybe Aldo has to fight Marab? That's just, that's tough, man. That's tough. But it is what it is. Dillashaw is probably the bigger fight, if we're being honest, because, and I'm curious how the fans are going to look at this fight, because, I mean, even Aljo in Jacksonville was getting booed out of the building. Like, when I was at the press conference, Jan was like, it was like Hulk Hogan walking out to wrestle the Iron Sheik in 1985. I mean, the place, like, erupted for Piotr Jan, and Aljo comes out, he's getting booed out the building. So who's going to be the baby face? Who's going to be the heel? Maybe the UFC is looking at it like this. Maybe we need to give Aljo a big fight. Maybe allow the fans to, to turn one way and maybe appreciate Aljo a little bit more. I don't know what they're thinking, but Dillashaw's probably the bigger fight over Aldo, which is why they went that route. But as a fan, as a nostalgic bro, kind of hurt my soul to not see Aldo in that fight. But we'll see what happens. Our man Jose just needs one more win, and he, it's undeniable, but he has a strong case for fighting for the belt anyway after his last few performances. Let's get Stealthy in here. You got a long name, my man. How are you? How you doing, buddy? What's up, bro? How you been? I'm good. How are I'm you? doing good. I remember watching some uh, WWE pay-per-views at your house with your brother. Then we go way back. Yeah, what's your last name? Gilman. 
Oh, Jesus. Yeah. What's up, man? I know you. Wow. Come on, man. But, I mean, I mean, listen, you know how many people call in here and I see this this Twitter name and I have no idea what's happening, but wow. Yeah. This is a blast from the past, people. You're you're hearing you are hearing a reunion dude. from Malden, Massachusetts right now. Dude, bro, I'm so proud of you, man. Man, I know you since a little kid, man, and uh you always had that like go get it attitude, man, and uh, and I'm really uh, pumped to see you uh, get to the level where you are at in your career right now, I'm, uh, and uh, and I look forward to seeing you right next to John Anik in uh, DC one day. That's what I'm hoping. Hey, listen, if I get to sit beside John Anik and do anything, I'm I'm down. I'm down. One of my favorite people in the business. Oh my god, Brett, you're the man. Hey, I appreciate that, but I, I want to get your take. And, and I know it's not uh, UFC Austin and Aldo and and that division, but uh, I want to get your take on this because uh, I'm kind of like uh, pumped up about seeing um, a Michael Chandler Conor McGregor fight. I'm tired of. I don't want to see uh, Conor McGregor go at it for a third time with DP. I don't want to see him go at it a third time with. Diaz, I want to see uh, a live fucking in the flesh, just hammer tosses, uh, electric uh, avenue. Like, I want to see Chandler and McGregor. <laughs> what are the chances of us seeing that anytime soon, Mike Heck? Brett, you're the man. Thank you very much. Wow, that was so cool. I think, uh, I think very likely, I think very likely we're going to see that fight next. Now, it, and it's all about timing, too. I just don't know. Like, I know there's talks about maybe – I know a lot of people want to see McGregor Mazadal after what happened in Mazadal's last fight. That was sort of the one everybody wanted to see. But I think Chandler deserves this fight. I think it's, it's a big fight. I think it's an exciting fight. I think stylistically it's really interesting. And I, I think that's the fight. Dana, Dana White, you know, I, I live in a world where not everything Dana White says is wholly accurate, but – I believe him when he says that that's the fight he wants and he doesn't, when it comes to matchmaking for Connor, it's usually pretty spot on. So it all depends. Like, it, is it going to be anytime soon? Will we see it this year? Probably not. But will we see it early next year? Yeah. I think it's a very strong possibility. It all just depends. I think when Connor's ready to come back, it all just depends on what's going on with Chandler and when he's ready to return. But I think there's a very good chance to see that fight. And I'm here for it. And I'm here for Jimmy Wang Yang to hop on in here. What's up, buddy? Good morning, Mike. How you doing? Good. How are you, I'm good. So I just wanted to touch on a couple things that was already said. So I agree with you with the Ronda thing. I definitely think the way she was just beating people in what? It was like inside of a minute. And then in her first, what, three, four title defenses, it was, what, a combined 90 seconds of her fight time. So it was definitely Mike tyson S just with judo. And I have to appreciate that because I did judo when I was 12. So I mean, that's just crazy to me. So I definitely think she's still from a – I think she's the only woman we ever put the question on. Is this girl she's fighting going to get out the first minute of the first round? Not even just the first round, the first minute. So I definitely give her that. And I think I like you said, uh maybe Val really was her. That 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 does uh seem like it might play a point. But I also think people not giving Talia enough credit. Maybe she could make some adjustments in the second fight. Maybe she could. 
But I wanted to ask you, how would you, who would you side with? I know this fight ain't made yet. I know they say it ain't close, but who would you edge out in a John Jones versus Stipe Miocic fight? Heck of a morning, Mike. Thank you. Yeah, there we go. Let me just unmute myself and then we could do this like a professional. It's it's sometimes you're trying to get a cup of a sip of coffee, sometimes your kids ask you questions and we 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 do all of those things. Yeah, I mean I, I give Tyler lots of credit. I believe she is the second best 125er in the world, and I would favor her to beat anybody in that division besides Valentina Shevchenko. And even if she fights Valentina again, if they go the immediate rematch, which I don't, I mean, maybe her next fight will be against Valentina. It won't be Valentina's next fight just because of the eye and the orbital break and the surgery and all that stuff. So it could be a while before Tyler's back, but that line will be a little bit closer. And I would favor Valentina. I think Valentina will look a lot better in that fight. But I give Tyler lots of credit. It's a great game plan. She was able to, because I thought, one of my concerns heading into that fight on the Tyler side was I couldn't ignore the Mara Barella loss because she just wasn't herself. First UFC fight, sometimes those jitters get to you. And that was one of the concerns I had. And when she walked out to that octagon, I, that was one of the first things I noticed. Valentina looked like she was ready to murder somebody and Tyler looked like she was ready to cry. But Tyler got some confidence going early and... That's how the fight went. And then the, the unfortunate clash of heads changed everything. But, yeah, I give her a lot of credit. It was, like, it was a great fight. She gave Valentina a really tough run. And, yeah, I mean, that's, that's huge. Her stock rose tremendously in my eyes. John Jones, Stipe, I would favor John. But, again, we don't know what John we're going to get. We haven't seen John since the Dominic Reyes fight. We know how, we know how much bigger he's gotten. Who knows? Maybe heavyweight was the way. Maybe the weight cut did something to him. Maybe that's why he hasn't performed to the level he normally performs. I don't know. But I would favor John. I just think he has more ways to win. But that's the fight to make, for sure. Let's go to... We're going to go Yasser. Then it's not Islam. And then Ben. And then we're going to keep on going here. Yasser, are you there? Oh, how are you, Mike? What's up, buddy? Thank you for giving giving me this this uh, opportunity. Uh, I want to 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 ask you about uh, the future uh, of uh, Jose Aldo. Uh, in his last maybe five fights or fights, sometimes he goes up, sometimes he goes down. So, do you think that he has the ability to? To get back to to the top, or, or what do you? Uh, another question. Sorry. Uh, the people say that Glover Teixeira is uh, too too old to to get back to the, you know, to fight uh, again. But I think he has, you know. Uh, 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 we all saw his his. Um, his ability, he took um, uh, Brohaska uh, down m- many times. He dominated uh, on that fight. He he showed that he, you know, more experienced. But 
I don't know why people say uh, he he has uh, not any chance. So give me your thought about the, those things. Sure. And th- thank, thank you. you again. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but thank you, yes, sir. Um, Aldo, I think Aldo could fight for the belt right now, and I think he could win. So I think he's got plenty of gas left in the tank. If he fought Alger right now, I, I it's a close fight. It's a close fight. I would actually pick Aljo to win that, or Aldo to win that fight, but it's close. It's definitely a close fight. And with the Glover thing, like, how can anybody, like, listen, the guy's 42, I get it. And he, at, at moments in that fight, he looked a little old, but the dude's heart is ginormous. He has the heart of, a, of an 18-year-old. And the guy went hammer and tongs with Yuri Prohashka for 24 minutes and was winning the fight. He was winning. He was 28 seconds away from this conversation not even happening of him retaining the title. He won three. He was he won three rounds on two judges' scorecards and was on the way to winning a fourth. And then the fight just ended the way. Of course, it was going to end the way that it did. Because why wouldn't it? It's a freaking Yuri Prohashka fight, and we have the chaos mode still enabled. Forgot to turn that off. So. Yeah, I don't think he's too old. He can do whatever he wants to do. Give him an immediate rematch. I'd watch the hell out of it. I probably I would favor Yuri the second time around because it's just it's just so tough, man, to go through a war like that. You're winning. You got it. You're it's in the bag. You just got you just got to last 28 more seconds, and you win, and then you lose. Then you get submitted out of nowhere. With less than 30 seconds left in the fight, you lose the title. The fairy tale ends. Glover's ability to hang with Yuri is still going to be there. But man, spiritually, mentally, that's got to take a toll on you. And just the war itself has to take a toll on you. So for Glover, I would like to see the rematch. Just do it one more time. And that's it. I mean, if Glover wins, just run to the third time. Then let, let him run back into the subset. But, like, I don't want to see him fight Ankoliath. I don't want to see him fight Jan. I don't want to see him fight anybody else. Like, that's the fight. Just do that one and do it now because you're never going to get it again. You probably have a year tops to make that fight happen. While all these other fights that are, you could do Jan, you could do Magomed Ankoliath, you could do Anthony Smith against Yuri. Like, the fight to do, like, if you're going to do the rematch, you got to do it now. This isn't Connor Nate. You can't just put it in your back pocket and be like, hey, if we have nothing going on, we can just go to this well. It's a huge fight. We don't have that here. You only have the hourglass is turned over, and the sand is slowly falling through the cracks there. So, my opinion, do it now. That's it. Not Islam Makachev. <laughs> What's up? Just unmute, and we got you. Not Islam. Are you there? Yeah, can't get him. Sorry, buddy. Try again. Ben? Ben, what's up? What's going on, Mike? Can you hear me? Hi, Ben. Hey. So, a couple things. First of all, you might not like this, but I'm picking Gamrot to beat Sarukian uh next week so i was wondering if you could kind of break down that fight i'm sure you've talked about it and i i know you're a huge sarukian fan but are you at least very high on him but i was wondering if you could kind of break down how you think that fight's going to play out 
Second, um, I'm a big fan of Sean O'Malley, and I think he's going to probably knock out Pedro in uh, July 2nd. So my bold prediction is that by, by the end of 2023, he's going to be the champ. And I think a lot of people would disagree with that. But we're going to find out pretty soon because he's touching the top 10 here. So we're going to see what he's all about. And then lastly, just uh, I agree with a lot of your takes. But I will say, I always find it funny when Boston Celtics fans complain about flopping. It's just ironic with, like, Smart and Grant Williams. I mean, those are some of the biggest floppers in the NBA. So I think it kind of evens out in the end. But overall, love the show. Have a good one, Mike. Thank you, Ben. First of all, you're wrong because the Celtics would never flop. They're a professional organization, and they would never do such a thing. I'm with you in a lot of ways, but, I mean, come on. That fourth quarter was an abomination, especially the first half of it. You know it. You know it. Whatever moment, The Celtics sucked and sucked real bad, but they got a lot of momentum, and those officials just sucked it out of them. They just took the momentum vacuum cleaner and just sucked it back into the tube there. It pissed me off. And then they just fell apart and that's it. Now we get game six and I feel good about it. So the Sarukian Gamron fight, I, I just love the fight. It's so good. I just think Sarukian has way more ways to win. His grappling is unbelievable. He's huge for the division. So technical. The man can strike too. He can crack. Gamrot is the footwork, the style, the dude can scrap. He can wrestle too. I actually think Sarukian on the ground is better than Gamrot. Gamrot's wrestling is really good, but I think Sarukian, once you get on the ground, scrambles, position, I think Armand's better. And I just think he's stronger in a lot of those cases. And he's just a tremendous finisher. We didn't see it early on in Armand's career in the UFC, but these last few fights you've seen it. And Gamrot too. He's looked great in his last couple fights. I think the betting lines are spot on right now. Armand's a minus 240 favorite. Comeback on Matush Gamrod is plus 195. Spot on. Spot on. I can't wait for the fight. I can't wait to see it. And some people are complaining about it being a main event. How dare you is what I say. Brent. You're up. What's up? I got a quick question for you. Um, there's been... It feels like there's been a real uptick in the popularity of gambling on MMA in the last 12 to 18 months. My question is, is it possible that this could lead to like an uptick in corruption or even possibly fixed fights? And uh, that's my question. Thank you. Very interesting. Interesting question. I think we just have to, I think unfortunately we just have to wait and see. I'm going to try to stay positive here and say no, at least in the major organizations. Could we see it regionally? I mean, we've seen it before. There are instances of, you know, there's different things. If you go search Google for, you know, fight fixing in MMA and things like that, there's, there's very few examples, but I'm sure it is happening more often than even we know in some of those organizations. I don't think it's happening in the UFC or, Bellator or anything like that. The PFL Challenger Series thing was was kind of kind of tough because they were putting out betting lines for a card that already happened. So that was a weird one. Hopefully they learned their lesson and they never do that again. But that was just that was just a dumb move. Like you can't do that. You can't put out betting lines for fights that already happened. That's just silly. So but again, 
might have been an oversight, so I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. But, yeah, I don't know. And that's kind of one of my – for a while I was on the – because we were talking about judging and stuff, and I we're not going to talk about open scoring or any of that nonsense right now. But fixing judging was a big, big topic of conversation. A lot of people were – and I was one of those people too who we need to get fighters in there. We need to get fighters in there to, to do judging. And while there's a lot of value to that, there is some – that's one of my concerns more than anything. If you get fighters in there judging fights and they know these guys or they've trained with them once in the blue moon, like once upon a time or things like that, maybe the judges' scorecards go a different way. I don't know. I think it's something we have to watch very closely. I'm sure if you have that concern and others do, I'm sure – some of the people running these sites, some of the people in high spots in these big organizations, they're probably thinking about that too because that's the last thing they need, especially like if you're the UFC, is to have some sort of tomfoolery going on. That'd be a tough one to come back from, honestly. Let's go to the natural grappler. Dom, you're on deck. What's up, natural grappler? Make sure you unmute. There we go. Mike, what's going on? What's going on? How we doing, man? Hey, glad to be here. Hey, real quick, man. Um, my phone's going to cut out, but first of all, the ESFL is an esports gaming league. They just had a big event in Las Vegas. It was amazing. And I just want to know your take on that. Thanks, buddy. On the ESFL, uh, I'm going to take your word for it that it was a great event. Uh, not my cup of tea, but I know it is very big. You know, there are a lot of fighters who are in the gaming community that enjoy very much. Max Holloway, DJ, to name a few, and there's more. Megan Anderson. There's plenty of plenty of fighters who are involved in the gaming world. Uh, Robert Whitaker's another one. Uh, it can be very lucrative. Not my thing, but I'm not hating on anybody who likes that stuff because it's probably very fun. I bet if I actually got into it, I would like it. Dom Elliott, you're up. What's going on, Dom? Just got to unmute and we're good. Oh, hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Good. How are you? Yeah, good, man. Um, someone touched on the uh, the heavyweight situation um, with Jones and Stipe. Do you think that's going to happen on the same night as uh, the Dillashaw title fight? And do you think the Aspinall fight and the Garn fight – do you think it's the nature of the performance of the win that will dictate who gets the winner? Yeah, I think so. Um, thank you, Dom. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to place. I'm confident that John Jones will fight Stipe in the next year. That's. I think. I think the fight will happen. Am I confident that's going to happen in three months? Not real. I don't know. It's just. It's too risky. It lines up with the timelines. Like, I know Jones mentioned September. I know Stipe won September. So it would line up timeframe-wise and make Sterling Dillashaw a little more interesting, does it not? Put Jones Stipe in the main event there. As of right now, I'm trying to – I know Boston is in the running to get that card. Anaheim might be in the running as well. But I know Boston is being discussed because – that August 13th card, I believe, I think it was August 13th. 
Yeah, the one that is the one that is looking like Vera Cruz will headline. That was that was supposed to be in Boston. There was smoke to all of that. But now maybe September 10th, maybe Boston gets a pay-per-view. Maybe they get John Jones versus Stipe, which would be freaking crazy. I have to say we can have all the performances we want. We could have Aspinall go out there and do the damn thing. We could have Curtis Blades go out and do the damn thing. Don, etc. The winner of Aspinall Blades is probably the front runner. But if Tai Tuivasa beats Cyril Gan, he wins no matter what, in my opinion. That's how I would do it. In fact, I would have given him the shot immediately. Like if if Jones just wanted to go and Stipe wasn't ready, and they just wanted to move this thing along and get this interim thing done, like, Ty should just get a shot. If Ty beats Cyril Gaon in Paris, he gets the shot. Because when else are you going to do it? Like, you have to do it quick. If he beats Cyril, you have to give it to him. Because he's, he's the biggest draw out of all of those guys. Sure, Aspinall is huge in London. But they're not going to do Aspinall versus Jones or Aspinall versus Stipe in London. They're going to do that in Cleveland or Vegas or somewhere else where Aspinall is not going to get the babyface rub. But Tai Tuivasa is a babyface anywhere. People are cheering him in freaking Houston when he was fighting Derek Lewis, for God's sake. He is over like Rover right now. So I think if Ty wins, no matter how he does it, he's getting the shot over Aspinall, Blades, anybody. But the good thing for Aspinall Blades is whoever wins that fight, if they get a quick finish, if they come out relatively unscathed, they can't get Jones on the books or can't get Stipe on the books, one of those guys can just slide right in. So good plan. You have those two fights spaced out nicely where you could still do Aspinall or Blades if you need them. But if it's just if all things go the way they want, both fights happen, somehow Jones Stipe gets on the card for September – if Tai Tuivasa beats Cyril Gunn, I think he gets the shot no matter what. Motivated Andy, then Toke, then Kenichi. What's up, Motivated Andy? Motivated Andy. Yo, Mike, sorry. I was getting oh, a call. There you are. You changed it to the West Coast. Now I'm in the middle of work. I had a quick question, Mike Heck. <laughs> Who fights first this year? John Jones, Carmen McGregor, Henry Cejudo. Oh, great question. Um, again, I, it's Jesus. So hard to put confidence on either of those guys. I will say, I'll say John Jones number one. I can't believe I'm going to say this. Cejudo number two, Connor three. All indicate, I mean, listen, Connor is throwing freaking kicks on heavy bags with that broken leg or previously broken leg. So maybe he comes back sooner, but from all accounts, I know Ariel's talked about it as well. It looks like early next year for Connor, February, March. That seems to be the plan. Although plans change, this is MMA and chaos is a, is a constant. But that's the way I would, that's the way I kind of look at it. It would be, I think they'll do Jones Stipe this year. Then Cejudo, because I think he's going to come. Cejudo will just complain about not getting a title shot. But eventually he's just going to have to realize he's going to have to take a fight. He's going to take one. 
and then Connor next year. That's what I think. I could be wrong, but that's the way I look at it. Toke, you are up. Good morning, sir. Yo. Um, gotcha. So, um, well, I'm just wondering. I'm, I'm going to use the gymnastics scale and say that this UFC Austin card, that's a, for that's for its fight night card. This is basically almost a nine. This is an amazing card. And what I'm seeing is also, and I want you to uh, speak a bit on this, Deron Wynn trying to make middleweight again, which he has fought, failed, I don't know how many times at this point. So <laughs> and that fight might be a banger, or it might just not happen, because again, Deron Wynn, he can't make middleweight. If it, I mean, and this hinges on his UFC life. He's going to get cut if he doesn't make it this time. So, yeah, I just talk about the card in the low-key bangers, and then go on to Deron win, and yeah, that's it. <laughs> Thank you, Tokyo. I love this card. It's really good. I tweeted about it last night. Top to bottom, very solid. Um, main event's excellence. Co-main event, nostalgic, but still a really fun fight. Tim Means, Kevin Holland is a banger. Buckley Jiraev's just going to be nuts until it's over. Isma Gulov, Kutatsalatse is awesome. Maybe the best fight on the card total. Marquez Rodriguez will be fun. Yanez, Tony Kelly will be fun. Jeremiah Wells, court, I mean, tough draw against Court McGee, but Jeremiah Wells, if he beats Court McGee, he's a legit player in this division. Jazz and Jazz Davizi is back against Natalia Silva. Maria Oliveira versus Gloria DePaula. Danny Chavez, Ricardo Hamos, a good fight. Cody Stamond, Eddie Wyland could be a banger. Dacus Elidze, interesting. I favor Dacus. Haas win, yeah, could be fun. Could be fun, but Wynn's going to wrestle his ass off. But Haas also has really good wrestling, so I don't know. Low-key banger. Hmm. I mean, Giannis Kelly's not really a low-key banger, but that fight's going to be really good. I'll go Stamen Wyland. I think that fight's going to be a banger. I'll go with that one. But I love the cards. Really solid. Very solid fight night card. Great follow-up to 275. This fight, as I said before, Keith, I'll get to you in a second. But this fight, as I said before, on paper, top to bottom, better than 275. Now, 275 at the top three fights. This card does not have that. But top to bottom, first fight to last. This card's better. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy 
happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. All right, Kadichi, what's up? Yo, what up, Mike? Can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. All right, thank you, man. This is my first time speaking, so a little shaky, but I just had two hypothetical questions for you. But, uh, you know, yesterday I read the news about Zabit, and uh, also, sorry if you guys talked about this earlier, I joined a little late, but um, I was, you know, when I first started watching MMA, like, Zabit was, like, basically dominating everyone he was fighting, and then at the same time on the women's side I was watching uh, Tatiana Suarez kind of do the same thing. So, you know, I know she has intentions on coming back, but she's, like, battling, you know, injuries and stuff like that. So I guess my first hypothetical is if Tatiana never came back or she came back as a shell of herself, who would be the bigger what if, like Zabit or Tatiana? And then second question, you know, back in the day when, you know, your boys with your hanging out, you, you do the F1, kill one, marry one game, right? So I wanted to put it in your shoes, Mike, but a little different. You're a coach right? And I want to give you three names, the guys, I think they're all like top 15 in your rankings, but, you know, kind of still young and coming up. So you basically got to pick one guy that you would, like, you're all in on. You're going to coach him until he retires. Like, he's he's your boy. You got to pick a second guy that you'll coach for, like, one camp. You know, you'd be open to working with for maybe one camp in their career. And then one guy you're just going to, like, you have no interest in coaching. And the three guys would be Alexander Romanov, Sean Brady and Sean O'Malley. I know they're all different weight classes, so you could technically coach them all, but just for the game's sake, uh, those three names. Uh, that's all I got. Thanks, man. Damn, dude. That's a tough-ass question. Uh, this the beat thing is just crazy, right? It's not really surprising. I think he's one of those guys where we, just, we sort of held out hope. Maybe we get another fight out of him, but again, this shouldn't be all that surprising. This has been kind of the direction this has been heading for a while, but now to see it actually official, we first reported that Zabit has notified the UFC he is retiring. And yeah, the Tatiana, the Tatiana part of this is interesting, but it's got to be Zabit. It's just got to be Zabit at this point. Tatiana has looked real good. She's had some great wins and there's still more of a sample size that I need to see, but I feel like with Zabit, I mean, I mean, it's close, but I feel like Zabit just being as young as he is and just seeing how much he could possibly grow, how high his ceiling actually is. And Suarez's ceiling is very high as well. But I feel like Zabit's the, the answer for sure. Man, the other one, coach forever, coach once, not coach at all. I will go Sean Brady, coach forever. Um, Romanoff, coach once. O'Malley. O'Malley, fine. I mean, O'Malley doesn't need me. So he'd be like, okay. You know what I mean? That's probably the way I look at it. I'd like to coach all of them, but if I'm leaving one out, I'll leave O'Malley out. O'Malley leads like, Things done a certain way. He's very specialized. He's got a great relationship with his coach. He probably wouldn't train with me anyway, so I'll leave him out of the picture. But Brady, I feel like we could do more with, and he's super talented as is. And then Romanoff, I just want to do it one time. Because once Romanoff comes to my gym and starts ragdolling and suplexing dudes, no one's going to want to come to my gym anymore. So I'll just take him for one camp, and I'll promise the rest of the squad that He ain't coming back. You guys can come back to the team. You won't get suplexed.
Tajik Bay, Andre, you're on deck, and then Brian Cashman. What's up, Tajik Bay? Oh, hello, Mike. Uh, can you hear me okay? Oh, yes, sir. Okay, great. You know, it's a heck of a morning here. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> it is? Uh, yeah, I wanted to give some thoughts maybe we, uh, from what uh, previous v- uh, listeners uh, spoke about. I think uh, uh, with uh, regards to Cyril Gunn, what's going to happen is that should he beat uh, uh, Bam Bam Tuivasa, uh, he's going to fight uh, uh, the winner of uh, Curtis Blade versus Tom Aspinall, and it's going to be for the interim title. Because uh, I think the you know discussions between the UFC and Francis at this point uh, are kind of at impasse, and uh, it's hard to expect any breakthrough soon. So we'll see how that pans out. But uh, but I think in all likelihood we're gonna see something like uh, Gunn fighting Tom Aspinall. I think Tom Aspinall should uh, um, should beat uh, Curtis Blades here. Uh, yeah, and in terms of the card that we're talking about right now, I think. Uh, Maybe a couple of quick predictions. I think uh, Donald Cerrone and Joe Lozon, uh, I see this fight to be like a, a, a pretty interesting fight. I think both fighters will retire after this fight, despite the outcome. And I think the most uh, logical outcome that I see for both of them, the perfect rather, is going to be a draw. So I'm, I'm going to be uh, entertaining. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to be playing the draw here, uh, Cerrone versus Lozon. I think it's going to be interesting. And one of the favorite underdogs that I like for this card, I think, is actually uh, is, is going to be Deron Win. I think Deron Win uh, is going to make weight. He looks to be in a great shape. You know, he's in a great camp going in, and I, I have a lot of confidence. And he will put on the great fight. And then finally, I think the one who will uh, uh, emerge as a, as a contender here after his ma- uh, main event fight is going to be uh, Josh Emmett. Uh, very underlooked. I think Josh Emmett right now comes at, in his prime uh, of his career. And uh, I think Kelvin Cater right now is probably at the downside. And if it wasn't for the Holloway uh, defeat, that heavy defeat that Cater has sustained, I think he should have been a dessert favorite here, but I believe uh, Josh Emmett uh, will be victorious here. So, yeah, a couple of predictions, a couple of uh, matchmaking here. Heck, heck of a morning. Always great to join. And, um, yeah, thanks again. Thank you, Tajik Bay. Yeah, I mean, hard to argue with a lot of those things. I do favor Cater to beat Emmett. I just think Emmett's great. Emmett's a really good fighter. I just think the volume could be a little too much for Emmett, but Emmett has that equalizer for sure. Emmett can also wrestle his ass off, but Cater's a very good wrestler too. Just doesn't really need it all that often. So I love the fight. I'm intrigued by it all, but I understand why you, people would favor Emmett and I would understand why people would favor Cater. Great fight. Uh, we're going to keep it moving here. Andre. Hey fellas. Thanks for letting me on here. Appreciate it. Um, I definitely agree with Tajik Bay. I think that the biggest play I'm going to be making is on Duran Wynn. I think he comes in uh, with his life on the line, in the best shape of his life, has just put in a full camp with Khabib over at AKA, and my boxing coach is actually his corner man, and he told me like years ago, like Duran's freakishly strong. If we could get this guy focused, he's a problem. And I talked to him yesterday, and he's like, you have no idea. This guy's locked in. Pause has got a, no chance. He's going to get gassed out. We're going to wrestle fuck the shit out of him. And so I think that Duran Wynn comes in and completely puts on a career performance, dominates Phil Hawes. I got him in quite a few parlays. 
Um, I also think that Cowboy is going to liver kick Joe Lozon's ass and beat stop him, especially um, just the traje- trajectory of like their names. I think like they're both, you know, very well known, but Cowboy just got that, that, that aura about him. I think they're going to send him out on a, on a high note. And then uh, the last two I wanted to give out was I definitely think Kevin Holland is going to knock out uh, the dirty bird, Tim Means. I don't see Tim Means being able to keep up with the speed. And lastly, I do agree with you in the sense that uh, <clears throat> Calvin Qatar is going to outbox uh, Josh Emmett. I know Josh Emmett has tremendous power. And like you mentioned, he's got a wrestling acumen. He could take him down and throw some elbows and whatnot. But uh, I just think Kelvin Qatar, after watching what he did to Giga, I, I mean, I had Giga on that big time. So um, I thought Giga was going to be like the future of the division. And then you see Qatar absolutely beat the brakes off him. And I was like, all right, let's take a look at some of these old Qatar fights and, you know, take away the Holloway fight. And this guy's just looked like a sniper. You know, he's looked like a guy that's super calm in the pocket, under pressure. And when you're fighting a boxer that's that good, you have to box with them. They, they get in your space, and you have to be able to hold off their their volume. And I just think that if Michael Johnson was winning a fight before he got you know shadow-realmed by Emmett, what is a superior boxer like uh, Qatar going to be able to do? So thanks for letting me speak. Uh, thanks, Andre. Yeah, the, the, the Win-Haas fight is interesting. I think that's the biggest difference in the fight is – can win just chain wrestle his ass off and gas Phil Haas out. That's a huge that, that that's a huge question in this fight, and that's why there is value on Duran win. And Duran's coming off that coming off of a victory, I believe, in his last fight. Let me just make sure it's been a while. I know Win was booked. I, this fight was booked like fourteen times, I believe. And then Haas took a a few others in the meantime. Yes, Win did win his last fight. Uh, against Antonio Ahoyo. And yeah, I mean, it wasn't the greatest performance of all time. But again, Phil's, Phil's had moments where the gas tank has helped him, and he's had moments where the gas tank has let him down. So, but Haas can absolutely crack. And we've seen, we've seen wind fade down the stretch too. So it'll be interesting. Wind seems in great shape, seems in great spirits. He seems to be in a spot where he doesn't care what anybody thinks about him. And that's huge because that wasn't always the case. Normally he cared about what these guys talked about and what the fans had to say and how people reacted to certain things. And I feel like he's maybe past that. And I think this, that's a big thing for him. All right, Brian, then Jay, Ahid, you're going to wrap us up and then we're out of here. Brian. Heck of up? a morning to you, Mike. Uh, what's up, buddy? i got a couple things for you and I'm going to apologize for my language in advance. But how about your guy, Danny fucking Sabatello, on the MMA hours the other day? <laughs> Absolute. I mean, that, that, what a moment. What a moment. You know what? Because there's a few instances where I was like, keep an eye on this guy. Keep an eye on this guy. And when I interview them and put them on the feed, everyone's like, oh, who the hell is this guy? No one gives a shit. Blah, blah, blah. Now look at him. Now he's on Ariel show. Exactly. You're right. That was amazing. Yeah, you were the first person I saw interviewing him. And I was like, dang, I got to keep watching this guy. So. There's my first thing. And uh, my se- second thing, with the booking of all these heavyweight fights, with the, other than Stipe and Jones, do you think the UFC was like, who out of these four can beat Curtis Blades? And 
and who does Tai Tuivasa have the best chance of beating? Do you think that's how they matched him up? Because, like, if you look at those four guys, I mean, if you match up Curtis with Ty, it, it's just a no-brainer. Curtis Blades is going to beat him. And if you match up uh, with almost anyone, it doesn't seem like he can beat any of those guys. And at least Cyril's going to strike with him. So is, do you think that's how they kind of looked into booking those Um to get Aspinall and uh, Aspinall and Ty to the next level. That's all I got for you. And uh, Danny fucking Sabatello, baby. <laughs> uh, Danny Sabs. Yeah, it was cool seeing him on the MMA Hour. Um, if I, I interviewed Danny, I think it's on the podcast feed from a, a couple of weeks ago. Just unbelievable stuff. Um, some stuff that he didn't talk with Ariel about. So go back into the podcast archives, check that out. Just really great stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I just, I don't know. This is what they came up with. I, it's, there might be some truth to that, but I honestly have no idea. But there might be some truth to that. I think stylistically, and I, at first I hated the Gon fight for Ty. And then kind of watching some tape and just seeing Gon lose to Nganu and the effect that might have on him. Like, if you're going to fight Gon, now's probably the time to do it. And... Ty Ty's on a on a nice little run right now. So yeah, maybe there's some truth to that. But I think this is the only way you could really do it. So Jay and then ahead, and then we're out of here. What's up, Jay? Hey, what's up, Mike? Heck good morning, man. What's up, buddy? So you kind of um foreshadowed this question a little bit earlier, but if the Marab and Aldo fight is gonna be official, what's next for Peter Yan? The only um person that's in the top five that's available Sanhagen and maybe they might want to run it back but uh, I was actually kind of hoping they actually set up Marab versus Yan that was actually the fight I was looking for but yeah I just want to get your opinion on what do you think is next for uh, Yan and then also uh, another point I wanted to bring up is why is uh, Jessica Andrade going back up to 125 I mean yeah I admit which she's a G for doing this but do you think it's kind of risky if she loses this fight then she might not get the straw weight uh, title shot. So yeah. So do you guys know any reason why she went up, or did she just decided to take it? So thanks and have a heck of a morning, man. Thanks, Jay. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but it's also the biggest fight she can get right now. She's not getting the title shot right now because Zhang Wei Li's getting the title shot. She could fight Marina Rodriguez, maybe, and then so basically, it just kind of weighs it out. Like Jessica's not gonna say no to any opportunity, so that's probably the correct answer. They probably just went. So here's here's how I was told the talks went, at least from one source that I spoke with. Chikagian was injured, was out of the fight. Five minutes later, Andrade was in. They probably just called her. She said yes, and that was it. And Andrade versus Fioro is probably a bigger fight than Andrade versus Rodriguez. And it's not Brazilian on Brazilian crime. It's Brazilian on France crime. She could be the away team. Who doesn't want to go to Paris? You saw it after UFC 275. The entire Australian card wanted to go and fight on that card. So, yeah. G move. Love it. And for the Piotr Jan thing, just do Cejudo. That's the fight. Do Jan Cejudo. Perfect. Cejudo wins, gets his title shot. No arguments from me. And if Jan wins, he makes a strong case to run it back with Aljo a third time, or maybe he fights Dillashaw. If Dillashaw wins, 
There you go. But that's it. I mean, it's all there. Cejudo's it. That's the fight. Do Cejudo. I will have, again, I've said this a million times, I will have immense respect for Cejudo. If they book this fight, pen goes to paper, that's the one they go with. I will come on this program and I will I will cut a five-minute promo on the respect I will have for Henry Cejudo if he takes that fight. So that's what I would do. All right, ahead. I'm on pins and needles, my man. Close the show. To end, you got to finish the, the, what is it? the best finish last. Save the best for last, isn't it? No, I'm just joking. I'm joking. Right. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, but listen, firstly, I wasn't going to talk about him, but I heard Duran win, and that was a familiar name. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's the AKA guy. And that's also the guy. Like, I, I was thinking, that's the last guy I watched whose fight was so boring. My goodness. It's like some – listen, I get it. It's MMA, and it's wrestling. I get it. Fine. Advanced position. Posture up. Do something. Even if it's a Bilal type thing, where it's like a little uh, – those little punches on the ground. Fine. Fine. But not some weird dry-humping type rubbish. Like, as in, it's him – and it's Jacob Malkoon as well. That was just so ridiculous to watch. Um, no, man. And get Mike and everyone, get ready to listen to DC shit about um, uh, his boy, Deron Wynn, because you know DC is unfortunately on the commentary table uh, this weekend, and you're, you know he's going to lick out Deron Wynn's ass so bad on the commentary table. <laughs> Like that's how he does for all of his AKA boys. He should not be on the job for AKA boys. He clearly cannot maintain a professional state when his AKA guys are hand, are fighting. And I'm okay, fine, fine. That that in itself isn't professional. But you accepting the job when you know you can't handle yourself, that's unprofessional. So I I, I wasn't going to talk about Duran Win, but you know, someone brought him up. So yeah. But let's talk about something else. Obviously, bantamweight. Mike, what is up with you and Henry Cejudo? Did he like, like, uh, what did he say to you, man? Like, even I've got an opinion on Henry, uh, which I'm not going to say because I don't want to backbite. But listen, even if Henry's Henry, Mike, you put up with so many personalities in the MMA world. Someone mentioned Danny Sabatello, who's got a voice squeakier than Mickey Mouse. And it's like, you put up with him and he's got those weird glasses, bro. You put up with him, but Henry, but not Henry. Listen, Hen for me, I again, I I could say a lot of things about Henry. Uh, I don't want to say it because, again, I don't want to say anything mean. I will say something mean about his coach, Eric Albacine, a narcissist of the highest level who calls himself captain. You're not Jack Sparrow. But, like, the thing is, right, Henry, he's done what he's done. I think... For me, I personally want to see Henry in a title fight because this fight with Dillashaw and Aljamain is not confirmed. Uh, Aljamain's gone out on Twitter and said he hasn't signed a contract. He's, he, was call, he was still calling out Henry. So I know Aljamain wants it. Henry wants it, even if it has to be pushed back to October or November. That seems like the fight because the, here's the thing, Mike. Uh, if you do that fight... You can do Piotrian and Dillashaw. And then the winner of that fight doesn't get a title shot because Piotrian, if it's for some reason his stock has dropped a little bit, I don't know why, but no one's as excited to see him in a title shot straight away. Dillashaw is a cheating little crackhead, so he can forget about it. 
and then Aldo deserves the next title shot. And I've got to disagree. My, I think this is actually a really good matchup for Aldo. Think about it. Aldo's not Marlon Moraes. He's much more well-rounded on the feet. Excellent, stellar takedown defense and just really good cardio. So I think that's what you do with the bats. And the thing is as well, if... Um, if Aljamain wins, yeah, you can do Aljo Aldo. If Henry wins, Henry will move up, and then, then you can do an interim title. So, therefore, you're able to use more people in the bantamweight division, so it creates less of a backlog, right? And lastly, as well, you know, um, the, you, you were talking about, oh, Henry doesn't sell as much as Dillashaw. We're talking about, like, the numbers, right? The thing is, is this, right? Aljamain's the champion, and I like Aljamain, but I have to be brutally honest. Bru I defended him against the trolls, but I really have to be honest. Aljamain couldn't sell water to an Arab in a desert. I'm deadly serious here. He, you cannot, even if it's Madison Square Garden, New York, you can't put him as the main event ever. Like it has to be Charles and Markachev. So it doesn't really matter what they do in the co-main event. Because if you put Charles and Markachev as the main event, pff, that's selling. That's selling. Aljo is not doing anything regardless of who it is. I'm sorry. Like I, I just have to say how it is. Thank you, Mike, for letting me wrap it up and letting me go on and on. Uh, much appreciated. I mean, this is why we left a hit for last, everybody. Dude just has his takes. They're fiery. And he stands by everything he says. Yeah, I mean, listen. We'll see what happens. But we're going to get Sterling Dillashaw. I know it's not signed, sealed, delivered. As everybody has reported, it's not signed, sealed, delivered. It's been pretty much agreed upon. That's the direction they want to go. I don't think Sterling's really in any position to be making demands on who he should fight and when he should fight in that and I agree with you. I'll just, I mean, none of those guys, Cejudo's not a main eventer. He has main events in cards, but he's not a main eventer. He's not selling 500, 600,000 pay-per-views. He's not, especially after being out for so long and the unreliability behind him. But I think they'll just go ahead and do that fight. And then, like you said, it'll be the co-main event to either Olivera Makachev or maybe they get... Jones, Stipe, done co-main event for that one. I mean, I just don't know what else you could do, really. Uh, it's got to be one of those big fights. So That's it. We are out of here. Hour and 15 minutes. I said I'd go an hour, but screw it. We went a little bit longer. 3 p.m. Eastern, everybody. MMA Fighting YouTube channel. BTL is back. Jed is on vacation. So he will not be on. But it'll be the Prince of Positivity. Alexander Kaylee taking on Mr. Sean Olsham. So it should be a nice little battle in the trenches of positivity. 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, MMA Fighting YouTube channel. BTL returns. And then we'll be back here on the Twitter spaces tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll do it again. Maybe as the UFC, I don't know when the UFC Austin weigh-ins are, but we're either going to be doing it while they're happening or we'll be reacting to it after the fact. And we'll have preview show at 3 p.m. Eastern, PFL on Friday, and then Saturday, People's Pre-Fight Show, 3.30 p.m. Eastern, MMA Fighting YouTube channel, because it's an early start time. 4 p.m. Eastern prelims, 7 p.m. Eastern main card, post-fight show, on to the next one, all that fun stuff as we're on the road to International Fight Week, UFC 276 in Las Vegas. And I will be there, baby, and we have some fun stuff planned for you, let me tell you. But until then, everybody... I am Mike Hack. We are done. Have a great rest of the day. 
And as always, have a heck of a morning. Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.